Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace. And I'm Cameron Brooks, your fellow commenter. It's good to hear your voice, Cameron. Uh, we've been gone for a week now. We didn't have an episode last week, and you actually have been really busy working on grad school-related stuff, That's writing right. papers and all sorts of things, but uh, but you're back, <laughs> and it's exciting to be back in the studio. Yeah, good to be here. As you know, I'm preaching through Matthew 21 along with Pastor Dan, and this past Sunday, preached a sermon on an incident where Jesus curses a fig tree and it withers. And I had some interesting conversations with people after that sermon that I thought it might be worthwhile for us to talk about. Because, as you know, in that text, and I made a big deal out of this in the sermon, the disciples who witness it, they don't ask Jesus why he curses the tree. They ask him how. They're really interested in the power that he shows that allows him to, to make this tree wither. And the implication is that they'd like to have power like this themselves. And that's not just speculation. Like we saw in Matthew 17, when they were unable to cast out a demon, and you know Jesus kind of does it for them, that they're asking him afterwards, like, well, okay, well, how are you able to do that? You know, what do we need? in order to do that? And the answer is faith. In Matthew 17, that's the passage where Jesus says, if you have faith kind of the size of a grain of a mustard seed, you could move mountains. And in Matthew 21, he returns to that same image and says, you know, with faith, not only could you make a fig tree wither like this, but you could say to a mountain, you know, be removed, and it would be removed. And he says, Anything you ask for, if you ask in faith and prayer, uh, you will receive. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing I want to talk about, because the conversations I had after the sermon showed that a lot of people have not just questions about that passage, but let's say relationships with that passage that, that pretty much go like this. We see Jesus in the Bible saying... If you have faith, pray for whatever you want. And if the faith is there, then you'll receive what you want. And then we have this experience in our lives of wanting things desperately and praying fervently for them and not getting them. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, what's going on? Right. Yeah. It kind of seems like one of two things could be going on. And I'll throw them out there and see what you think. So on the one hand, it could be that Jesus is not being serious or mm -hmm. literal in these passages. So when he says, ask for whatever, and it'll be given to you if you have faith, he's not, he doesn't really mean that. And you know, the image of the, the moving the mountain, that's hyperbole. Right. So he's just making a general statement that have faith and while you pray, and that's, that's what you should do. Or on the other hand, He's being serious and, and literal about this, but no one has ever had that kind of faith or few people have ever had that kind of faith. And that's why we don't see more miracles today, something like that. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that probably, you know, so 
the way you would answer that question depends on whether or not you're in the church or out, right? If you're yeah. not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you think, you know, the Bible is just made up stories by men and things like that, you see a passage like this, and, and the explanation seems pretty obvious. You know, Jesus says, ask in faith and you'll receive it, but that's not really why that happens. I mean, that doesn't work that way. Uh, and no surprise, because none of this stuff is real. You know, so mm-hmm. so kind of a, a demythologized approach here. It's like he says it, it's just not right. You know, for those inside the church, that's not really an option. And so how do you think about this? And I think typically the answer ends up being something like what Jesus is saying is accurate. Uh, the problem is your lack of faith. Right. Right? The disciples couldn't cast out the demon because they didn't have the faith to do it. And maybe that's why you don't get what you want either. And it makes it kind of tantalizing right, to realize that you could have anything that you would ask for in faith. And, and you just must not have enough faith, even though Jesus said the threshold is really low. You know, the, the, the grain of a mustard seed, like something really infinitesimal. If you just had that much faith, it would be yours. And you think you have faith, right? As far as you know, you're really believing, but clearly you don't have enough because you're not getting everything that you want. And, and I think that's often the guilt that is imposed on people when they desperately seek something from God in prayer and don't receive it. Uh, For example, you know, people who have a loved one who is ill um, and are praying and the church is praying and everyone is praying, you know, please heal this person, Lord, and they're not healed. And then you hear the explanation well, you asked, but you must not have had enough faith, right? And as harsh as that sounds, I, I know people who receive that very answer from church leaders uh, to explain why the, the, the quote-unquote miracle that they were claiming in faith did not occur. Um, the only explanation was they didn't have enough faith. Mm-hmm. And so, again, these seem to be the two options, right? Either Jesus is is saying this, but it's not true, or even though the threshold for faith is really low, none of us have enough. But there is one little thing you can throw in there that I think makes things complex, which is this. When Jesus talks about moving mountains, and we take that to be like the baseline uh, that would show, right, that this is true. If somebody started moving mountains around, we'd know. Um, Jesus doesn't do that. Right? Jesus himself does not do this. Jesus doesn't go into Jerusalem and go to the Temple Mount and say, you know what, Mm-mm, I don't like it there. I'm moving it over there in faith. That doesn't happen. And so if we take these words and and make them the yardstick for whether or not someone has faith. Um, I mean, Jesus doesn't do that. Right. So, I mean, clearly that's not what's going on. There has to be something a little more nuanced than that. Yeah. And the assumption being, of course, that Jesus had perfect faith in his father 
and and prayed all the time right we know right so but he wasn't moving mountains so something else is going on exactly exactly and and i think we could probably say again from from a standpoint of belief that if he's not moving mountains it's not because he doesn't have the ability mm-hmm. right he has the ability but he's not doing it anyway and i think if you think about that that gets us where we want to be that it's not simply a question of power and having the power to do something that Jesus is talking about something more. So in the sermon, the way that I tried to approach this was by saying the disciples ask the how question, you know, how did you do this? Because they feel powerless and they'd like to have power like Jesus has. And if they had that power, they could use it essentially to do whatever they want. Um, essentially, it'd be like if, if we were going to God asking him to give us like magical powers or abilities or superpowers or whatever, right? If he gave you that, then you could use it for whatever you wanted to, you know, to make whatever wish or dream that you have come true. And you can read Matthew 21, especially the the end of this pericope where Jesus says, whatever you ask for in faith, you'll receive, and interpret it that way, that Jesus is promising power to make whatever your dreams are come true, if only you have faith. The thing is, the same Jesus who says that also when he teaches his disciples to pray, says, pray thy will be done, mm-hmm. Right? And so we have to consider everything that Jesus says about prayer, not just this one thing, because they all fit together, right? So it's not just about power. It's not just about the how. It's also about the why, and the why is connected to the plan of God. So Jesus isn't randomly cursing a fig tree or randomly doing any of the things that he does. All of the signs that he gives and the miracles that he performs are in service to a plan of God that he has come to fulfill. It's not always obvious to us reading in the scripture why that is, right? We, we read about turning water into wine or walking on water or whatever it is. And it's easy, especially on first read, to think of these as just kind of random feats of power. But the reality is all of them have a kind of sign value to them. All of them attest to the authority of the message that Jesus carries. And this is the reason why after Jesus departs, his apostles are empowered to perform similar signs. And those signs during that apostolic era lend credence or give validation to the authority of the word that's being inscripturated, the New Testament at that time. And so there's a purpose, a plan behind these things. So an easy way to think about this is God has the power to do whatever he wants to do. And he does many of the things he does through his people, right? Through the prayers of the faithful, he accomplishes his will, but he's also free to do things other ways as well. He can work through ordinary means or extraordinary means. The the point throughout Matthew's gospel from Gabriel forward is that with God, nothing is impossible. That God is constantly doing things that aren't humanly possible. 
And by doing these impossible things is bearing witness to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, is kind of pointing to his fulfillment of all of these promises. So that's the reason that these things are done. So Jesus curses a fig tree. It's a sign, right? He's, he's symbolizing the judgments, the curses that come upon Israel for not bearing fruit, for not keeping covenant with God. So it isn't just, a, as I said in the sermon, it's not a random act of agricultural vandalism. It actually has a, a prophetic character to it. So he has the power to do that, but it serves the purpose of the plan. And his people have the power to do things when they serve the purpose of the plan. Like God does things through them, some things that, that just seem impossible to us. The, the greatest example Salvation itself. We already saw in Matthew's gospel the question about the salvation of a rich man. And the disciples, when they see that the rich young ruler doesn't measure up, ask Jesus the question, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus does not respond by saying, well, it's easy to be saved as long as you're not rich. Jesus says, well, with man it's impossible but with God, all things are possible. And so, again, we think of salvation in very thin terms. You know, someone makes a decision, quote-unquote, and, and is saved. But the Bible speaks about salvation as a miraculous thing, as essentially God and his power doing something impossible, um, moving a mountain, replacing a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Uh, these are miracles that ought to astound us, but because he does them with such frequency, we've become accustomed to them and think of them as kind of normal, which is amazing when you think about it. So you're trying to draw us back to that distinction between the power and the plan of, of God or of, of Christ. I'm trying to connect this now to prayer. So are you saying something like when, when Jesus says, whatever you ask in prayer, it will be given to you if you have faith. Are you qualifying, <laughs> qualifying that in a way and saying like, whatever you ask, or, or rather if you, whatever you ask in faith, according to God's plan will come about or, what is what is the connection yeah, between I mean, prayer and the plan now? It is something like that, but but the problem, of course, is that you don't necessarily have access to the mind of God. <laughs> Not at all. Right? Yeah. So so if I said, "Now, Cameron, it's important to pray, but be sure only to pray for things that that are part of God's plan." <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, that's the whole point of praying: "Thy will be done." Like we just don't know, yeah. right? We don't know what His will is, mm -hmm. and so I, I think. We want to understand what Jesus is saying with that qualification in mind, that um, he's not saying faith is this power that will allow you to sort of manifest your dreams, whatever they happen to be, or that faith is the power to overcome every obstacle in life and make it go away. Because we know in the lives of the apostles, for example, and of course Jesus himself, that part of God's plan was suffering. That part of God's plan was for them to faithfully endure very difficult things. 
Now, if they prayed in faith that this cup be removed from them, as Jesus did, but the cup isn't removed, is that a failure of Jesus' faith? No. He himself acknowledges, like, like, hey, if it's your will, you know, your will be done. So, so I think that's the nuance that we have to bring to this. So I think we have no way of, let's say, um, building little fences and saying, well, you know, God can't go beyond this. And, and you should never ask God to do something that's not possible. You should never ask for things that, that, uh, you know, aren't likely to be in his plan or something like that. Yeah. My tendency is to encourage people to ask for, for whatever they want. Uh, even if they're, they're uncertain, <laughs> you know, that it's, it's the right thing but to place that in God's hands, right? And, and to trust him to know what, what's the right thing for us and to see the outcome as the fulfillment of those things. So I'm not saying, yeah, it used to be the case that, that you could do all things through faith, but not anymore. I'm not saying, you know, you could in theory, but nobody has enough faith or anything like that. I'm saying that the all of this rests in God's hands and that God working through us, through faithful people, does extraordinary things, but not always. And that part of that faith is a conformity to his will. Like sometimes what he wants us to do is patiently wait or patiently ask. And Cameron, the thing behind all of this that really drove me to preach the way that I did was my conviction that all too often when we go to Jesus, what we are interested in is the how do we get power question Mm -hmm. and not the what is your plan question, you know, and and it, it isn't an either or, you know, and our feelings of powerlessness and our desire to be empowered um, is natural and, and to some extent good, but there is an imbalance, I think, where a lot of people pursue uh, Christianity. A lot of people s- pursue like spiritual discipline in the hope that they will gain greater knowledge that will allow them to sort of access this power that they read about, but they don't see in themselves or in the world around them. And it also becomes a way to sort of... Um, I don't know, like do like power plays within the larger church as well, right? Because uh, you may interpret scripture really well and your theology might reflect the teachings of scripture in big ways. But if you're not moving mountains, why should I listen to what you have to say? And so there's a, a tendency, I think especially in the 21st century or so, um, anti-intellectual, so dumbed down, right? That there were plenty of people like, I don't care about all that learning and Christian tradition and theology and everything. I just want to see miracles. I want to see signs and wonders and that sort of thing. And it's like, yeah, but Jesus performed wonders in service to a plan, mm-hmm. right? And and if all you care about is the power and not the plan, something's not right, mm-hmm. You know, in Acts 8, there's a story about a guy, Simon the Magician, who 
before he comes to faith, is apparently a, a pretty prodigious uh, magician. He has some kind of powers. I, I don't know exactly how to describe them, but but he impresses people. They they are are taken with his power. But he comes to faith and is baptized and sees other people being baptized and and notices uh, people receiving the Holy Spirit. And he makes a terrible uh, overture <laughs> to the apostles where wanting the power that he sees, he offers money to purchase it. And of course, he's rebuked for that. And, and to his credit, when he's rebuked, he asks for forgiveness and, and asks, you know, pray for, for me for having done this. But I think that impulse is one I see a lot in myself and in, in the, the larger church. There's something about that power that, that promises uh, we could have what we want. We could um, defeat who we want. You know, we could fix what we want. And that's intriguing. But if we believe in a sovereign God, sometimes the, the strictures that we are pushing against are things he's brought to pass. And so we have to have an acknowledgement that he's doing something big in the world and that the power that he promises is in service to that plan. Right? So you don't get the power without the plan. Um, really, the thing we ought to be pursuing is a deeper understanding of who he is and what he's doing and what matters to him so that we can sincerely and in faith pray, thy will be done. That's helpful. And I want to close with one thought related to that. So it used to bug me actually when people during prayer would always qualify things by saying, if it's your will, yeah. God, if it's yeah. your will, you know, please heal my friend if it's your will. Right. And I would always think, why, what? Like, yes. why wouldn't God want to heal your friend. And of course, I, I didn't know any better than, than they did. And so I, I just started telling myself, well, we don't know exactly what God wills in this moment. So we don't need to say that. But I think what we're saying here is something like, actually, God's will is all important when it comes to prayer. God's plan and will and what he, you know, his kingdom coming on earth is all important. And whether or not we say it, for every prayer, for every ask we make, I think we should be believing it. Like, God, whatever your will is, like Jesus' prayer in the garden, like this is the thing that we want, even if we don't actually know in the moment what it is that you want in this situation, it's better than what we could imagine. Yes. And that's what we long for. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you go to God in prayer and you just say, Lord, here's what I think would be great. Yeah. Here's what I think would glorify you. If you were to do this, this would be majestic and and always wrapped up in that is is that you know i know whatever you do will be great i know that whatever you do will glorify you i'm just telling you here's what i think would would be good and and i feel like that's a better stance than what you're describing where we use the thy will be done as a sort of 
well, I don't want to overstep here. Yeah. You know, please, please heal Cameron. But if it be thy will, let him writhe in pain, you know, like whatever, yeah. you know, of course, like, I think you want to express your heart in prayer and, and not sort of second guess those, those good emotions, but then always have that sense that like, whatever God ultimately determines to do will be good and will be glorifying to him and, and to seek peace in that while absolutely asking in faith for all that we desire. And, and yeah, I think both of those things can live together and, and don't contradict one another, you know, because our trust is in him and the faith he gives us is shaping what we desire and what we want. And we have to believe that those desires to see impossible things done are from him, even if he doesn't fulfill them at this moment or in this generation, if we continue to long for them, let's continue to ask for them. Amen. Thanks for listening to the commentary. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. And you can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.